0: Life Audio.
1: Faith Over Fear is brought to you by Life Audio and is part of our Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the Faith Over Fear podcast where we tackle our most pervasive fears with truth because life is too short for any of us to live enslaved. We would love to connect with you online. Just visit our show notes to learn how to connect with us. I'm Jennifer Slattery. And I'm Kimmy Miller. And we both want to live fully surrendered to Jesus. We know we can't hold tight to our lives and our agenda and experience everything God has for us surrendering to God's call to follow him, to yield our lives to him can feel so, so frightening in the moment. It can feel really unsettling, but that's the only way to experience the joy, the peace, and the soul deep fulfillment that Christ offers.
2: So true, Jennifer. And I think, you know, often when we hear surrender, the first thing I often go back to is that moment when I fully surrendered to Christ the first time. And for me, my story was I was actually the mean girl in junior high. And I had a friend who was so kind. I was just so attracted to that, that kindness. She was just different. Um, And I knew that she was a Christian, that she loved Jesus. And so she had invited me to a Christian summer camp. And luckily, I was able to go. And I remember it was every night they would give what they call a salvation call or an altar call, where they would tell you that Jesus loves you, you're a sinner, and he died on the cross for you and rose again, that you might have eternal life, that you wouldn't have to be separated from God anymore. And I would listen to that message night after night. And every time I would get butterflies in my stomach and my palms would get sweaty. And I knew that God was talking to me in that moment. And so finally, the last night there, I I, I couldn't stand it anymore. I knew that that call was for me, that Jesus was calling me. And so I had to just give up and surrender to that moment, to that call. And when we hear the word surrender, we often think losing, right? When we think of, of a battle, we, we think surrender, I'm losing something, I'm going to give up, I'm going to give in to the enemy. But the reality is, we're with Christ, we are gaining so much more. And in that moment of surrender, we we think, you know, our arms are up. But when we surrender to God, our arms are up in praise and adoration. And it's a surrendering, yes, of it's a losing and a dying of self, but it is a gaining of so much more and so much more life. And so, in that moment with my butterflies and my sweaty palms, I walked forward and received Christ as my Lord and Savior. And, you know, my, my counselor. I think she was like shocked. Well, wow, Jesus really can't reach anyone because I was not a nice girl at the camp either. But she led me through a salvation prayer where I just admitted that I was a sinner. And as I said, Christ died for me and rose again, that I might spend eternity with God, that he took my place on the cross that he made the payment for all the wrongs that I had done and that I would continue to do even today. So I left that camp a new creation, but it wasn't an overnight transformation, but I knew that something was different. And, you know, I think a lot of us learn and are learning. It is a daily surrender that we have to go through. And so I love the story in Matthew when we hear about how he was called into fellowship with Jesus.
0: I love that story as well. And actually just thinking of all of the disciples when kind of, when God first called them and what it would have been like back, you know, just in those times as well. So this was in Capernaum and it was Jesus's hometown. In his day, this was a major trade fishing and economic center where tax collectors were, they were at least temporarily stationed and Jesus had recently healed a paralytic man. And so that was a miracle that probably got everybody talking and kind of got, was waking people up to the kingdom of God. And this probably caught Matthew, the tax collector's attention.
2: So we can pick up Matthew's story here in chapter nine. I'm going to start at verse nine. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. So he got up and followed him. As Jesus was having a meal in Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said, those who are healthy don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what the saying means. I want mercy and not sacrifice for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners.
0: Wow. You know, I, I wonder when you made that decision yourself, was it challenging to kind of walk in front of people and say, okay, I am. I need this. I'm going forward.
2: Absolutely. Because I know me, the only one who knows me better than me is God, right? So I knew all of this identity that I had tied up in as being the mean girl or the popular girl or the girl that could say whatever she wanted. I had to let all of that go. Some of those things I was proud of, Some, a lot of it I was ashamed of. So like Matthew, I had a status, you know, I had, I I use the word identity, but that's really what it was tied up in my mannerisms. So I think sometimes we associate our identity with that status. You know, Matthew was very smart, no doubt. If he was someone who was collecting money, and let's talk a little bit more, Jennifer, about tax collectors and how even the Jewish, I mean, they were the the scum of the scum in the eyes of the Jewish people because they were considered traitors and they were working for the Romans to collect money. They often would have to, when they collected taxes, they collected more than what they really needed to fatten their own wallet. And so they were not liked by the Jewish people at all.
0: And I wonder too, if, It took courage, you know, because how did the Jews respond? Like he even he eats with sinners and tax collectors. You talked about kind of you had shame, right? Well, I'm sure he did as well, even though he had this status and he had this money. It had to Here he is saying, I'm going to follow Jesus the last person that anyone would expect to follow a rabbi. And I think there probably was some, some fear and insecurity in that. And I think it's interesting as well that we don't see Matthew arguing with Jesus. Like, why did you choose me? You shouldn't have chosen me. Do you know who I am? And he, he also didn't ask a lot of questions. He wasn't like, okay, so where are we going? Like follow you for what, how is everything going to turn out? How will I support myself? You know what, Jesus, where will I be in five to 10 years? If I do this, this thing, well, can you just let me prepare first? And that's really interesting to me. He might have, I think he probably did wrestle with those things internally because he was human and and we do as well, but none of that would have had any relevance to Jesus' call on his life.
2: Right, and I think when Jesus calls us, and it's it's not. I think there's two things to understand when we talk about surrender. And I, this story of Matthew really resonates with my heart in my own surrendering of life to Jesus, a response to the gospel, my initial my salvation call. You know, there's all these Christianese words that we throw out for this, but it's this: I'm committed to you, Jesus. I believe. This message, I understand that I'm a sinner, that I can't get to God by just being a good person, that I have to give up everything to follow you. And there's that initial call, right? But then I think throughout our walk with Jesus, there are other callings too, in that um, what he might be calling me to in this moment or this day. And so there is a preparedness that has to happen. And I think, like what you were just saying, Jennifer we don't always know what that looks like. We don't have time to question how is this going to work out? What's the plan? I need to be prepared. And I think sometimes we get into this trap of thinking, I have to be prepared. I have to know what God's going to call me to next so that I can have all these things lined up. But even in this initial response that we see of Matthew, where he just, I mean, he left his booth right in the middle of the day. just. We don't know. I mean, we can we can put these images in our head of what that might have looked like. I've said before on this podcast, I love to go into the story and put my myself in that place to think what happened and and what was the response? You know, what was the because there would have been a crowd. Most likely there were people lined up to pay their taxes, <laughs> you know, and suddenly Matthew's like, "I'm I'm done. I'm going to go follow this man in the middle of the day. What was the response? And again, if they were looking at him thinking he's the scum of the scum. And he's going with that guy. Well, what does it say about that guy, Jesus?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be the equivalent of you're in the middle, like let's say you have an office job and you're in the middle of a work day and you've got all of these projects waiting for you and emails you have to return and meetings scheduled and you just walk out. And which basically there would be no going back at that point. I mean his job I'm assuming he kind of burned his bridge. You know, and interesting, I never
2: thought about this till you just said that, but the fact that the Romans didn't come after him, that there was no repercussion. You know what I mean? Like he was an employee for, for the Roman government and he just walked out and the Romans are known for punishment. So isn't it interesting to think that even then God had his hand over Matthew, but Matthew was willing to surrender it and say, everything we've talked about, I'm going to give it all up and follow this man. And I think we have to understand too, that Matthew would have heard about Jesus as you opened in this message. You know, he had to have heard about the paralytic man getting up and walking. And scholars often think that maybe he even heard the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew might've heard that and may have even been there recording what Jesus said. And so I think that when Jesus came and said, follow me, Matthew was ready. Matthew didn't question any of it because I think he'd been kind of thinking those things over in his mind, because if he was the scum of the scum, who was he talking to? Probably no one. He probably was alone often with a lot of these thoughts in his head trying to figure it out. And he was Jewish, so we know he knew the story of the Messiah. Whether or not he thought Jesus was the Messiah, we don't know. But here was this man, maybe a prophet, who was doing things differently, who had a message that, that just spoke to his heart and said, I've come for you. You're the one, Matthew. You're the one that I'm coming after. And what I have is for everyone, but I'm telling you, it's for you. Come and follow me. And so in the middle of his workday with
0: his unanswered
2: emails and his upcoming business meeting, Matthew walked out and said, I want more.
0: And I'm thinking too, and you know, this story it it follows after Jesus had already called some of the other disciples who were fishing and who had like a really successful night of fishing and then left their nets, left their father's boat, left the family business to follow Jesus. And when I think of those stories, I think about all the ways that we try to find fulfillment and and we can just chase after one thing after another is it success okay we get success and then what or is it is it material gain we get material gain and then what and none of those things can really fill this hole in our heart and in fact i think sometimes when we chase after those things it almost increases our hunger and this like obsession to keep trying keep trying keep trying and i i can't help but wonder if matthew had just gotten to the end of himself he's like i've got all this money and yet i still feel so empty and there's some spark of life over there that is drawing me yes yes
2: i think that that is it i think so many times we can get caught up in these earthly material things whether it is status it's wealth it's prestige it's a job title we can tie up everything into thinking well once i get there then i will be satisfied but it's it's never enough never enough. And even though Matthew was despised by his people, he had money. You know what I mean? He could, he could just have a party. He could clearly, he he does have a party, you know, and he, he does have other friends that are in that group of people that nobody else likes. But there was something about Jesus that attracted him that, that reached somewhere deep in his soul that I don't know. I think it's that the only thing that can satisfy that unquenchable desire is Jesus. And I think he experienced that and was willing to leave it all for that.
0: You know, I think sometimes we talked about how, you know, he had no guarantees. He, d- he didn't have a five-year plan. He left everything, you know, his booth in the middle of a work day. And when we struggle with that, I think it really comes down to a misunderstanding of who God is. Like if we, if we think like, I'm going to miss all these things, I'm giving up all these things. We don't understand. We're giving it up for the one who wanted our freedom so deeply, who, who promised to give us abundant life. And who found that so important, so compelling, he was willing to suffer and die to give us joy, peace, fulfillment, all of those things that we crave. And he did it out of love because he just wanted us. He
2: just wanted us. And in this amazing act of sacrifice, God gave his one and only son, right? That whoever should believe in him would have everlasting life. And in that act, Jesus was glorified. He was exalted. John Piper has this quote and it says, God's most loving act is to exalt himself as the all satisfying one for his people's everlasting pleasure. And what a beautiful truth that is, that everything we desire can be found in surrender to God. So surrender isn't losing. It's not giving up in the sense of I'm defeated. It's saying I would rather surrender everything for a chance to live, right? Because that's really what we're doing. When we surrender, we're saying, I don't want to die. So just take me. And that's the act of the surrendering to God. I don't want to die in hell. I don't want to die, Have spend eternity away from you. I want to run into the loving arms of my father. And so that's the beauty of the message, the gospel, the good news is that we can have fellowship with God for eternity. We simply understand. And it's I say simply because it's that simple that a child can understand it. We are all sinners. We're all if we haven't screwed up yet, we're going to. But the reality is I think we've all we understand we've all screwed up somewhere along the way. We're all sinners. And so because of that the punishment for sin is death. It's separation from God. God didn't want that. Jesus didn't want that. And so Jesus said, I'll die. I'll do it. I don't want to I don't want to be without him. I don't want to be without her. So I will do it. I will take the payment. I will take the payment for sin. And so that was the act that he did on the cross is that it's payment. It's when we often think that God forgets our sins, that he puts them as far as the East is from the West, there was still a payment that had to be made for those. sins. The reality is Jesus paid it all on the cross. And by simply believing in that, that he took our place, that he died. And on the third day, he rose again and was glorified. That is all we have to believe that it was for us. And in that we find freedom in that that's what we are surrendering to. We're surrendering into this step of life and eternity with the one loving God of the universe. And so I just want to, if it's okay, Jennifer, I just want to pray with anyone out there who right now is experiencing those butterflies or those sweaty palms. And they understand, God, are you talking to me? Because he is. And the invitation today is that he wants to invite you in, into his loving arms, and he just wants to embrace you because he's so glad that you're home. He's so glad that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. And if that's you, if that's this moment that you're at, I just want to pray with you. And so, Father, I thank you that you are a loving Father. And I, I'm i sorry for all the wrongs that I've committed and the wrongs that I will do probably even five minutes after this prayer. God, I'm a sinner, but I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for me on the cross. I believe that he overcame death and that he rose Again and came to life, and that he, I accept him as my savior and my lord, and I give my life to your hands. I surrender on this day, Father. And I'm so grateful for this gift of life that you are giving me that I simply need to believe. Help me overcome any unbelief. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with your love and your life, your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. God, I want it all. (laughs) I want it all. Thank you for your outrageous gift of love. It's in your Son's holy name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. And to those of you who have a lot of questions regarding salvation, who Jesus is, we just invite you to connect with us. And so you can connect with us through the Holy Love website, holylove.com, W-H-O-L-L-Y.com or through social media. But do if you do have questions, get the answers. Like this, this is a big question and you owe it to yourself to make an informed decision. And and this is an important question to investigate. So again, please reach out to us if you have any questions. And actually, if, if you did pray with Kimmy just now, and if this is the first time of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, of trusting your eternity to him, reach out to us as well so that we can kind of talk to you about like, what's some next steps? How can you grow in this new life that you've been given? Well, thank you for listening listening. If you haven't already done so, we would encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, then you won't miss a single episode, and we are really encouraged when you rate it, make sure to share it with your friends. Until next time, may you live as one who truly has been set free.
1: Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Faith Over Fear, a production of Life Audio and the Salem Web Network. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. To learn more about Jennifer Slattery or to check out any of the resources she mentioned in this episode, just head over to her website, jenniferslatterylivesoutloud.com, or check out our show notes. This episode was produced by Kelly Givens and edited by Stephen Sanders. A special thanks to our executive producer, Stephen McGarvey. For more Faith Toolkit podcasts like this, just head over to lifeaudio.com. Dear Heavenly Father,